You're listening to Curious Conversations About Sex, and my name is Rog. Please be mindful that some topics might be great stuff for younger people to listen to, and some might not. Curious Conversations About Sex is brought to you by Curious Creatures, who run a variety of workshops on related topics in Australia. Find Curious Creatures and submit your questions for us to answer at curiouscreatures.biz, B-I-Z. And with me today is BJ and Eri. Uh, BJ, perhaps you'd like to say just a, a little about yourself. I'm BJ and I'm from Eagle Leather in Abbotsford, which is a fetish store. Um, it's been operating since 1994. Uh, we deal mainly in fetish gear and sexual education programs as well. Fantastic. And Eri, who are you? Hi, I'm Eri and I run Blue Velvet Arts, which primarily hosts workshops on rope bondage, BDSM, kink, and cultivating positive sexuality. Fabulous. And so to today's question, which is, how do you train a submissive? Uh, BJ, perhaps we'll start with you on this one. Yes. So um, I, I personally think that the best way to be able to train someone in a, in a, a power exchange relationship um, Look, it's, it's kind of best to really understand the submissive, first of all, and really talk to them, get to know them uh, in and out of um, BDSM scenarios. I feel like, you know, I think we've touched on it before, that each person's very different and we're, we're quite complex individuals. I've heard that. Yeah. <laughs> we can be quite interesting. So, so it's not just one size fits all. No, it's definitely not. So we, we can't we can't reuse other people's relationships to completely mimic our... Well, we can't mimic other people's relationships to be and expect what works for them is going to work for us. Uh, so look, it's, it's you know, and there's, there's also other things that people do. Like I know that there's if there's some things that I do with my partner, she would probably say that's really corny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That doesn't which, work for me. I'm which, sorry. Which but, is the yeah. beauty and diversity of life and partners and human. It's random and you don't know. Um, exactly. What are the sort of things you're looking for? And when you say chat to people first and ask questions first, what are the sorts of thing, information you're trying to elicit? Well, we'll see if we've got a common ground, if we, we both enjoy certain things. There's actually an, an app that's out now, and I'm not on here to promote that app. I've got no affiliation with it whatsoever, but it was actually brought um, to my attention during one of one of the classes I was presenting. It's an app where you can actually, you know, you normally have a negotiation scenario and you, some people will write down what they're into and what the other person's not into and so forth. To avoid seeing what somebody else's into that might not be your kink and it might shock the other person there's an app where you where it only shows exactly what each other are into where you've got in common exactly so, so no one's been so, shamed or outed yeah, yeah. so you yeah. fill it out and they fill it out and it will only the only things that will appear is things that you both yeah. have in common and you're yeah. both interested in yeah. so then you can you know you kind of fast forward that whole process of working out that things don't work out here or don't we've got different ideas of, of what BDSM is is to each other you kind of iron out those those problems yeah great I think that app sounds like a nice idea however the reaction I'm having to thinking about it is I would actually want to know everything that the submissive is into that doesn't mean that we would explore those things together if I'm not into them but I would want to have that greater insight into their interests well it could also perk your interest as well like you might think um, like 
okay, so my submissive's into this, I'm not into that. But then, uh, like, a year from now, you go, hey, I'm starting to, I saw, saw someone doing this, and now I'm kind of interested in this. I might actually give this give this a go. So, yeah, you're, you're definitely right. And just like there's a lot of things that I'm into that I never thought that I'd be into, or things that I tried once and I didn't think that they worked for me, but now they're my biggest things. Oh, yes, definitely. One of the, one of the most powerful benefits that BDSM has had on my life is my own personal evolution. Definitely when I first got into it, there were a lot of things that were scary or I had a lot of trepidation around. And then just becoming more confident and familiar with myself, I've, I've definitely you know, taken leaps and bounds and exploring my own sexuality and things that I, I never thought I would. And a lot of it I've discovered it wasn't as scary as I thought it would be, or I just had a different reaction to than I thought. So yeah. I do appreciate that about BDSM. But back on the subject of sure. actually training a sub, I would say I do think it's important, yes, to make sure that you both have a commonality in, in style and desire. Like, um, I would not undertake training a sub if, if they really needed humiliation to be a part of their training and reward system, because that's not something that I, I do. That's not something that I'm naturally comfortable with. So it would be good to get to know them and what they expect, but then also look at my own style as a dominant mm. and be honest about what I think that I can comfortably deliver and the yeah the common ground that we can explore together so, so what both of you are saying is uh it's so important to make sure that your venn diagrams do actually overlap uh, and again uh, there's not just one way to do this hey there's, it's not as simple as saying well all right i will dom you will sub and then the rest is obvious it's not remotely like that hey well the negotiation process is is so important it, it makes you know we've got to be open as well and i think that's the part where you know your your roles of, of dominant submissive arts are important you know, because you've got to be as open as possible to talk about these things. And, mm -hmm. and, and you know, we talk about things like what, what are your triggers, what are your limits and things. And we've got to be completely open uh, yeah. at this process. And and look, it's the, the, the more you're open in the beginning, the faster you start to build up dynamic in your, in your scenarios. Go slow to go quick, hey? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It, it looks like it's this boring, boring, talking, boring, talking, talking, boring, boundaries, talking, safety, it. boring. And then, bang, yeah. so suddenly you're off and you can go nuts after that oh, yeah, yeah. and that is not boring I love the psychological aspect of it I love Me when too. I have new clients yeah. if I'll have a little moment where I ask them if they know the genesis of their particular fetish or kink and sometimes they don't but sometimes they have these amazing stories they're very illuminating yeah. is how they came to be where they're at like that path the, the initial implantation of the kink and then how they've explored it I love finding that stuff out so yeah the conversation is it's never boring. boring yeah I have no idea why I just described it as boring it's my favorite my oh. If we're talking about the physical aspects of practicing, sometimes that can be boring caning pillows, you know? Yeah. <laughs> After a while, yeah. you want it to be a bottom, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but true. look, the, the, the beautiful thing about that is in with flogging techniques, um, I practice on walls like religiously, like over and over and over again. But the great thing is now that rather than, you know, and I know that my accuracy is going to be on like on spot every every single time so I can actually start to throw my emotion in it because I've got confidence where I know that that whip's mm. going to land yeah. 
Yeah. And then with that emotion become, you know, your, your sessions become so much more powerful once you, and it's the same with rope as well. You know, once you, when you're first starting with rope, you know, some people might fumble about and, and they're going, oh, where do I go now? Where are I buying now? But when it becomes second nature, that's when the emotion yeah. comes through. So doing these classes, take, like, you know, practicing rope as much as you can religiously, maybe it's not as exciting as doing a scenario, but those sessions, when you get to it and you've got all your, your technique down pat, they can be absolutely amazing. That's the confidence and fluency that you bring. It yeah. allows it to be more of a conduit of connection instead of, yes, this awkward, clunky, fumbling. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I love it. I love the way that we're all describing. So for me, I would say once I've got the technical skills down, then suddenly I know I'm there when it, when it feels like a creative process. So I love the area you're saying. It's like a communication conduit. And uh, BJ, you're talking about it as being an emotional state you get to. For me, it's often creativity. And yeah, you just need to practice and practice and practice. And then you've got the skill and you can be free with it. The last thing a submissive doesn't want to hear is, oops. <laughs> So, yeah, so my thoughts on um, training a submissive. So, firstly, I'd have to say I, it's, uh, I don't squarely relate to the question in that um, as a very switchy person and someone that has uh, almost entirely switchy relationships, um, I don't really relate to the question the way it's worded. However, I definitely relate to the question of how do you train a partner or, or, or how does a partner train me, and I think they're much the same thing. Um, but yeah, I really agree with you. What you, you've been saying, BJ, about lots of conversation about needs and wants and expectations and boundary setting. And I think for me, from then, it's just like trust, 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 and building trust and building trust. And you almost want to deliberately manufacture, I mean, you wouldn't, but you almost want to manufacture a couple of little whoops moments just so that you can see how the two of you actually go um, when things aren't going well and how you recover and how you can use your words and can you have faith and trust in the other person. communicate afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Um, so for me, yeah, so much about trust and uh, a little bit at a time and a little bit at a time. Um, I'm a big fan of giving people achievable goals, so not overwhelming myself or the other person with too much too soon, um, just like little little gradual steps up. That's actually really important because I, I can I remember a submissive that I was playing with could take like the hardest spanking you could possibly imagine and even with paddles could take an incredible amount but she was absolutely shit scared of canes so I made the, the process of um, we, we, our first caning session was actually to go a bit lighter than we should actually expect so when she kind of comes out of it she's definitely not broken or, or pushed she wants more yeah. and then you kind of gradually build up and build up so no, so she's kind of building confidence in known and trust in me and she's also building her confidence and trust in canes as well yeah. And given a, a sense of achievement. Yeah, it's exactly. very satisfying. Oh, yeah. Achievement is so important. And it's really funny, particularly if we are talking about the language of how do you train a sub, uh, the way that's often portrayed is in a stern, almost military kind of a learning environment, uh, which I don't think is a learning environment. I actually think that's more of an abusive environment, but that's a different question. I'm such a fan for positive reinforcement and giving people achievable goals and then rewarding them. I feel like the brain is wired to learn so much more quickly and efficiently when it's in a positive drawn towards something positive rather than being reprimanded for something negative. Um, I tend to agree with you, but I also want to cast some, some awareness around there are many different learning styles. And again, right. this is about the dom and the sub coming together and deciding 
what things are going to be like for them. Some people will love that intense military, kind of a negative reinforcement that might work for them better. Good point. Um, so I guess one thing to address, you know, in your initial conversations are, is this going to be something that's casual and positive, positive affirmation, or are we going to draw up a slave contract? Are we going to have something that's very rigorous? And, and what are the effective reward mechanisms that are going to be best for everyone that I like to deliver, that I enjoy? engaging yeah. with and that the sub is going to respond best to. Can I ask you like a nuanced side question on that? Mm -hmm. Even when it's a really stern, strict learning environment and all of the motivators are strict punishments and strict understandings of this is going to be what happens if you fail this task, mm -hmm. do you think within that there's still really subtle positive reinforcement? So for instance, if you give me the wildly, hopelessly difficult task and I achieve it and deep down I know it's good somewhere you're just going to give me a little bit of a look or a cock of the eyebrow or something like that um, which doesn't break the dynamic if this being a really harsh training environment but does let me go yeah you just acknowledged that I did good that's my positive reinforcement well I think one thing that applies here is that some people really need a predictable model to flourish in so what you're talking, talking about, having everything very clearly laid out and stern, that might be the only model that they can actually function in. They don't do well with unpredictability or flexibility. Yeah. Yeah. So if that model works for them and knowing if they execute task A, that that's good. If they don't, then they're punished. Like having yeah. that very clear system of like achievement and failure in place can be its own reward. And then I guess the way that I respond to that will be a lot based on my own personal personality. Like, I often give a cock of the eyebrow. <laughs> <laughs> there goes the neighborhood, the eyebrows up. Mm. Yeah. yeah, so I, I guess that's going to depend on personal like proclivities and, and what works for you. That does make sense. And I'm also reminded that uh, some of the other times where I and others are drawn towards submission is it's a time to move away from the usual fluffiness of human dynamics and just be told what to do and just do it and the simplicity and clarity of that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm agreeing with you and disagreeing with myself. <laughs> um, any other further thoughts on um, how to go about uh, the question is how do you train a submissive? Uh, for some reason, I'm thinking about the importance of feedback and debriefing. So particularly oh, on a scene-by-scene -scene basis, you learn so much from sitting down afterwards and just going, so what was that like? What did you enjoy about it? Uh, what would you do differently next time or more of or less of? And I also love to finish, um, just in case there was some tricky, complex, heavy territory involved, uh, it's great to finish on a positive note of uh, what do you like about this play partner? Mm. I totally agree, and like it's always good. We were talking about aftercare, you know, to, to meet up even a few days later after a session. That's really important to show that you you care. Yeah. Especially you might the person might be going for a bit of a drop yeah. around about the, if you played on a Saturday, maybe the Monday or Tuesday, yeah. they're feeling a little bit sensitive. And so, you, yeah. so, so a couple of super quick questions for you, BJ. What's aftercare and what's drop? Okay, so aftercare is really, it's a debriefing session to make sure that, you know, to, to give them a cup of tea or, or, or you know, give them a bit of a cuddle, mm. let them know what you did and what you partook in was a role-playing scenario, um, as aggressive or as violent or as degrading in some, in some circumstances yeah. it, it may be. So you get to de-roll. Exactly. It's about showing that we're, we're friends and what we did, we came from all, all from a good place. Oh, it makes uh, me feel so fuzzy yeah <laughs> so it's the care that happens after the play yeah exactly yeah. and drop 
and drop, you know, this can, with, with like a lot of things, you know, where you're going to be going, you're going to have a lot of flooding of endorphins, there's going to be adrenaline and all those things, but eventually that's going to come down. Eventually you're going to get that drop. It's only natural that that's going to happen. Mm. So in particular, if you're not living with your submissive, this is, I think it's really important to give them a phone call or meet up for, with a, for, and have a cup of coffee, yeah. sit down and chat. And, and so they, it's incredible how the mind can fester when you're by yourself and the mind can build up and, and, and build up and build up and you can have misconceptions about what went on on the weekend and just to be able to touch base and, yeah. and see everything's okay is incredibly important. It's a, it's a blessing and a curse having a mind, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, great. Any, any further thoughts on training a submissive? Yes. But if you are going to undertake training a submissive, you better know what you're doing. Like, you better have educated yourself. I think that there is so much bravado that I've, I've seen in the BDSM industry. People will get into it and they just have this, this um, kind of hollow sense of empowerment. Oh, I'm a dominant and I have just the right and the authority to, you know, to exert mm. my will on someone else. If you haven't educated yourself and taking training, that I, I don't think that you are in the right place to do that. So oh, say, I great, really great. recommend... Yeah, and education. it kind of goes both ways as well. I think you don't listen to submissives if, if they say, "I'll do anything you want. <laughs> I can yeah. do anything." You know, alarm bell, alarm well, bell. I'm really into removing limbs. So how does that sound? <laughs> <you know? laughs> I'm also thinking about um, um, pacing yourself, particularly if you're the most, if you're the dom in this scenario and you've got a lot of skills sometimes the process of setting up a training program and investing all of the time and resources into that and then holding the other person as they have uh, those emotional freakouts as they take steps deeper and deeper into that journey you've got to bear in mind what happens if it all goes to shit and if the other person just disappears and you feel like you've invested hundreds and hundreds of hours of your best highest quality time in training someone one, and then they just disappear, which is their right, because that happens with humans. Are you going to feel ripped off? Are you going to feel like they owed you something? Uh, it's interesting how to reconcile that. You, it's possible that you can set up agreements when you're first getting into the training. You know, it could be a document that's actually signed, some kind of hmm. pseudo-legal document, or just a very clear statement. Um, I have a previous experience from someone who, I was actually a therapist I was seeing, who said very clearly, we will have a closing session no matter what we get to, what point we get mm. to in our therapy, we will always have this closing session because that closure is so important. Great. And I, I agree with that and I think that that's also very relevant here that um, we might get into our submissive training and it's just not working out and it would be really nice, it's almost like aftercare, just mm. to come together and, and have a discussion, you know, really open and honest discussion. And so that would be part of my agreement, whether or not the person actually honors that. I mean, I can't legally enforce that, but just to have that clearly stated so it's in our awareness. Oh, I love it. And I'm again reminded of the parallels between good counselling skills and good BDSM skills. I really wish a listener at some stage would ask a question about the parallels between those two fields of study. That would be a fun question. 
But I think you also you're talking about the, the closure. I mean, that's really important. And I look, it's also important for tops to have a bit of aftercare as well. I mean, we're experiencing a little, yes. lot of adrenaline yes. when we're during those sessions. We're going to have a bit of a drop as well. So that's, yes. I think it's really important that when you meet, your, your, your meeting is kind of two human beings who are, who are also can be quite sensitive and vulnerable as yeah. well. And I am deeply invested in, in my own skill And I know that I only have my internal perspective to judge myself against for the most part. So if I have done something that traumatized someone or if there's something that I can learn out of my own behavior as it was perceived by the submissive, I would I would love to hear that. Whether or not I will find it valid, we'll have to see about, you know, what the issue was. But I am definitely open to hearing these things and learning about myself and evolving where I can. And that's important. that you, You know, we never stop learning. Anyone who says any top that says I know everything. Avoid, <laughs> yeah. because it's it doesn't matter. You always we you know this, this BDSM is such a broad ocean of possibilities and experiences. You can't know everything in one lifetime. It's it's funny. You do need to get yourself an education, but the moment you can no longer occupy a mindset that says I know nothing, mm-hmm. uh, you're screwed. Yeah, not so, in a good way. Yeah. Well, on that note, uh, that's been the question. How do you train a submissive? I would love to hear a little more about what the two of you are up to. Uh, perhaps, uh, BJ, uh, what do you do? Who's it for? And where can people find you? So I'm from Eagle Leather, which is a fetish store. It's based in Abbotsford on Hoddle Street. We retail uh, everything from leather clothing, latex clothing, electric sex equipment, um, big dildos. Uh, we're really for the converted, I guess, rather than your more conventional Adult stores or vanilla adult stores? Is it a spot where new folks uh, feel comfortable or do you mainly uh, just uh, pitch to those that are already in the scene? Or We've actually had a big focus on uh, having um, some new people come along. I would say when I say converted, I mean yeah. people who are a bit tired of buying glittery dildos right. and, <laughs> and that have kind of thought, okay, there's other things out there and they might have a bit of an interest in BDSM. So we've, we've been running introduction to BDSM classes since the early 90s. And what's the website? Where can people find you? Www. I don't need to say www anymore, do I? It's just eagleleather.com.au. Great. Yeah, we can roll with that. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. Aerie, who are you? What do you do? And where can people find you? Yes. I, um, I run Blue Velvet Arts, which hosts workshops on rope bondage and generally BDSM kink principles and trying to cultivate a consent-based culture. That's, that's really one of the big areas that I focus in that I think is so important. Um, the workshops are very open to complete beginners. Um, most of them, in fact, are tailored to people who have no prior experience with rope bondage. So we start with safety, etiquette, anatomy, basic ties, and then I really encourage my students to build their own style and their own creativity. Mm, love it. And whereabouts can people find you? BlueVelvetArts.com I host workshops in various locations around Melbourne. Fantastic. Thank you both so much for sharing your knowledge and perspective and doing that education outreach. It's been so special having your perspectives and opinions. Thank you. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Curious Conversations About Sex, brought to you by curiouscreatures.biz. Thank you.